welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. So, um, I, I had two different titles for, the, for this, the word I want to share this morning. And, but I decided to go with this one just because it's so controversial. Um, what I want to share about is the prosperity gospel. Just want to preach the prosperity gospel uh, this morning, because gospel, the word gospel means good news, and this is good news. God wants you to prosper. This is actually God's plan for you. It is God's plan for your family. This is God's plan for every nation on earth. His plan is that we prosper. Um, in uh, Jeremiah uh, chapter twenty-nine, verse ten, it says. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and, uh, and a future. And so it, it, I just I love that passage of scripture because it means that God is actively thinking towards you. He's actively planning towards you in your life, in your family, uh, your community and the nations of the earth, our nation. God has a plan and it's a plan for prosperity. Um, also, three, uh, 3 John chapter 2 says this, Beloved... I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. And, you know, so many people actually really get bent out of shape about the scripture. They, they, you know, they would far prefer us to preach that God has a plan for some people to prosper, but God's plan for other people is that they suffer. That, that's God's plan, that, that, that God actually, there, there's this two-tier system that God has, and for some people, he's like, you know what, my best plan for you is a lifetime of just awfulness. And for your nation, sorry, um, you just were born in the wrong place, this, but that's actually not true. And unfortunately in the church, we back away from preaching the truth because it's uncomfortable. We back away and we say, you know, that's really unkind to tell people who are trapped in poverty that God's plan is to prosper them. Now, I'll tell you what's unkind is to tell people who are trapped in poverty and that that is God's will for you and he wants you to stay there. There is no hope for your nation because even if you try and prosper, God's plan for you is that you suffer. So don't bother. Just accept your lot and just look at the lives of other people and say that, oh, man, I wish I'd been born then. That's unkind. And so we actually, as a church, we have to regain our courage and begin to preach the fact that God is a good God and He has a good plan for all His, uh, his children. Amen? Amen. And uh, so, but when we look at it, we need to actually dis- uh, discover from the Word what was that plan? Because if God has a plan to prosper us, how do we get into the plan of God? And I, I love this, that thing. It says, I pray that you may prosper in all respects. So what does that talk about? That's talking about more than just money. You see, money is just a very small part of prosperity. And often it's the last part of prosperity. Because prospering financially actually begins mentally. It begins, about, uh, begins in the way you think. I always remember in my 20s reading a book um, called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And um, in, this, in this book, Robert... Is it Kiyosaki? Isn't that the motorcycle? 
Oh, Kawasaki. No, yeah, Kiyosaki. There we go. You know, it's Robert Kiyosaki. Speaks about growing up with two dads. One was his, his real dad, who was an academic, who had a particular way of thinking about money. And his friend's dad, who sort of semi-adopted him. And his friend's dad um, was a businessman, and he had a different way of thinking about money. And he realized at a certain point, as much as he loved his, uh, his real dad and uh, embraced certain things that he said academically, when his, dad, his dad's thinking about money had kept his family in poverty. And so he began to work for his friends that, and he learned a different way about thinking about money. And you know, uh, the, the, the beginning of prospering in every aspect of our life is to begin to think like God thinks about us, about life, about, uh, about, the, uh, about the world. And God has a good plan for us. I mean, so he wants us to prosper in uh, financially. He wants you to prosper in your relationships. He wants to prosper in your uh, in your uh, in favor. He wants you to prosper in your health, both mental and physical. Because that's that's put in here. It says, "I pray that you that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers." So he wants your body to prosper, but he also wants your soul to prosper. You know, and, and what does it mean to have a prosperous soul? That means that inside, this word prosper, if you look it up, it's the word shalom. It's the word shalom. And it means to be of all of one piece, whole, uh, in, uh, integrated, at peace. Man, isn't that, isn't that cool? I mean, I don't know about you, but man, I could do a, a bit more of that in me. You know, a bit more of that integration, integrity, um, a peace in my, uh, in my soul. And the awesome thing is, God has a plan for that. But what does that look like? So, having established that, and I believe this is God's plan for every individual, and every uh, family, and every community, and every nation, that God has a plan for us to, uh, to do that. However, one thing that history has established is that just because it's God's will, and just because it's God's plan, it's not automatic. Because we have a part to play in that plan being outworked in, uh, in our lives. So, how did God manifest that plan initially? Turn with me in your Bible to Genesis 2 verse 15. So, you, can, you imagine, this, God's got this plan in His heart. He, he's always had this plan in His heart. From the moment He created man, He creates man uh, uh, with a plan. And He puts, uh, puts him in the garden. And Genesis 2 verse, uh, verse 15 says this. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to, uh, to keep it. Another translation, the N, uh, NIV. I'm going to read that to you in the NIV. It says, it says it this way. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. This is amazing. You look at this. <laughs> you look at this. And is this before or after the fall that God sticks man into the garden? It's before. So he creates man, he puts him in the garden, and he immediately gives him two things. He gives him a place to look after, and he gives him a job to do. He gives him work to do. So often we resent, the, we resent work because we think like, man, it's, it's part of the curse. It's part of the curse. I heard of a guy... He was always moaning to his Christian boss. He was always moaning. He's like, oh, man, I hate coming to work. Man, it was all woman's fault. You know, if Eve hadn't eaten the, uh, eaten the fruit, you know, we would be living in the garden. He was continually moaning. And his Christian boss couldn't take it any, uh, any longer. He said, okay, I tell you what. I tell you what. I'm tired of this. I'm, I'm tired of this. I tell you what. 
I will continue paying your salary. You, uh, you, uh, you don't have to work. I'll give you a house and you can stay in your, in your house. I'll, uh, but there's just one condition. I'm going to put something in your house and you must never open it. He said, fine, no problem. And he puts his box on, on, uh, on the mantelpiece. He says, as long, I will pay you as long as you never open that box. And the guy, the first couple of months, he's just cruising, he's playing golf. He's having a fantastic time. And an awesome time. His boss will check on him every now and then and say, hey, how's it going? He says, no, it's, it's fine. He says, you haven't opened that box? He says, no, no, please, don't, never open that box. After a couple of months, you know, it's starting to get great on him. Maybe, why is, it, why, is it, why is it worth so much to him? Daddy doesn't like want me to open it. Finally, one day, he's bored at home. He can't take it any longer. He's got nothing to do. His handicaps come down to five. And he's, he's watchful the movies on Netflix. He can't take it. It's a bit like lockdown. And he goes, he goes to the box, and he just says, man, no one will open it. And he flips it open. As he flips it open, these alarms go off. Beep, beep. The light starts flashing, and the signal gets his boss. His, his boss rings him. says, hey, you open the box. Get to work. <laughs> you know, the reality is we need something. We need something. God has put, us, God has put you on earth to do something. There is a purpose to your life. The moment you were created, God created you to make the world better. He gave you, he gave you a purpose. And there were two sides of that. He gave you a job to do to make the world better, to provide, uh, to provide for your family. But he also gave you a, a stewardship to keep. And that's part of God's prosperity. That, that he, he creates us with a purpose and he also creates boundaries. And he says, you own this. I'm putting, he, he, he put man in the garden and he said, here's the garden. I want you to keep it. I want you to guard it. Because that word means to, 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 to tend, to guard, to keep and protect. I want you to look after this area, uh, this area. And it's inbuilt into us that actually we are meant to take responsibility for things and make them better. That's the, the word. Uh, the word work means to... To work or to serve. You see, that's another thing. If you want to prosper, you need to discover what it is in your life that's meant to serve the world around you. How do you serve the world around you? That's when you are happiest, when actually you notice your life is making a difference. When, when just, you know, you, the work you're doing, you realize, man, whatever it is, whether it's uh, installing pipes Installing, you know, uh, plumbing, even, uh, you know, sweeping the streets. I want to tell you, it's valuable work because it adds to society. It makes a, a difference and it's blessed by God. It's part of God's plan uh, to prosper us because in God's plan to prosper us, it's, there's this thing. Work is the title deed of property. Because God's first gift to you, you know what God's first gift to you was? You. God made you. And you were a gift to you. That's amazing. Man, you can look in the mirror legitimately in the morning and say, you are God's gift. <laughs> Not that I do that. <laughs> but you could. Come on, baby. <laughs> but the first gift God gave you was you. With your with your body, with your strengths, with your weaknesses, with your sense of humor, with, with your personality, you're a gift to you. And you need it. the first thing you need to choose to own is you. Yeah. That's what you, you choose to own. And, you, and delineate where I end and where other people start. 
Because so for, uh, for so many of us, we don't prosper internally because we haven't owned ourselves. So we say things like, you make me so mad. No, no. They did something and you chose to be mad about that. Isn't that true? <laughs> Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I love this. It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is amazing. God first, he worked in you so that you can work in him to work in the world because we do all our if you are in christ you're working you are working in him so how do we how do we start to unfold his purpose for the first thing we do is we start taking responsibility for our lives we start taking responsibility for the areas that need work so for example I own, my, uh, I own myself. So the first garden that I live in is me. So I take responsibility for the way I think. I, be, I begin to choose. Listen, you know what? I, I need to think differently about some things. For years, for years, I have wrestled with just the enemy just assaulting me with feelings of unworthiness, of depression, of laziness, etc., and you know, times when it goes well is when I actually shake myself a bit and get the word of God and say, well, what does God say about this? Who does God say I am? And begin to replace those thoughts because, you know, some of those negative thoughts are, you know, your own, but many of them are just the enemy just coming and throwing stuff. And it's like weed seed, you know? The enemy is just chucking like seeds of weeds into your garden and you're throwing, uh, throwing it in there and, and it grows and you're like what the heck oh my goodness I've got a huge crop of depression here how did that happen I, I mean who gardens here I, I know I know many my, have, have you noticed man I, I sow my, uh, my spinach seeds man they need tender loving care I sowed some artichokes last week and I just water them every day and I love them and I look after them and men have to fight for those seeds and they come up and say hey, don't water me too hard I need a little bit less sun man the weed seeds like man they grow, they, they grow out of the cement it's just crazy I mean I, I sowed some portulaca in that bed over there you might see them man they all died but the seed that fell in the stones, look at it. It's flourishing. What the heck? <laughs> but you know, sometimes that's the negative stuff that life throws at you. You have to actually, you can't expect it just to go away. You have to go to it and pull it out and, and replace it with something good. And, and take the word of God. And, and, uh, and, uh, and so if you want to have joy in your life, work is the title deed of property. It's not just going to happen. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to sow that in here. You're going to have to weed out, uh, out, uh, out the junk. Now, if, if you want to you know, own a fine figure like this, there's a lot of work that goes into this. Or if you, if you would like a more rounded appearance, you have to work for that too. You have to work for that. There's a lot of eating that goes into that. You know, a lot of... It's true. 
but you will, you will own what you work for. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and we take respo- where we take responsibility in our lives, that's where we're going to prosper. Amen? So well, how, do, how, do we, how do we do this? Well, the first thing is, is we need to delineate the boundaries. What are, what's the boundary of my life? Where do I begin and you, uh, uh, you start? You know? Because, I mean, I know for, for many years of my life, and the, the, I mean, even now, I'll be honest with you, I mean, I have to work at this. It's like, I just allow other people to either get my mood up or down. And, and, and you know, I don't choose my thinking, but I'm like, oh, oh man, oh, I always feel so terrible after I've been there. They make me feel terrible about myself. No, no one's making you feel terrible about yourself. They said something, you interpreted it in a particular way, and then you were gone down that rabbit trail. Isn't that true? You were down. Mm, I agree, Satan. So I say, oh, I knew you would. I knew you would. If I own me, then I am my responsibility. Amen? And you do own you. And that's awesome. Because you're awesome. Owning you is, uh, uh, the, the other word for, as Debbie just said, the other word for owning you is freedom. Freedom. And owning you, the, where freedom comes in nations, is where we raise up companies of people and say, you own you. And you own the work that comes from your hands. This is one, or one reason why I am not a believer in socialism. Socialism is an unbiblical idea. Because socialism basically says that I am entitled to the work of your hands. That is not true. We're not entitled to the work of other people's hands. You own you and you own the production from your hands. Having said that, the biblical, uh, the biblical approach is that we are called to be generous. But I am called to be generous. Do you understand what that means? Where, where, where a government steps in and forces you to be generous. I actually believe that's unbiblical. Because that's actually taking money from other people by force to redistribute. It's an unbiblical idea. So, steward yourself first. And you'll create around you, because you will always create the world around you that you create within you first. So, define your boundaries and get to work. Work on you. Work on your emotions. Work on, uh, on your, uh, your thinking. I was thinking about this. You know, enemy will start with a thought. How many of you ever had, had this experience where just a thought happens? You meditate on that thought for a while. Meditate on that thought for a while, and that... That thought becomes an emotion. And after it becomes an emotion, it starts developing into an attitude. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I am, dude. It's just always been like... uh, Attitudes soon turn into actions. And then actions turn into habits. And before you know it, you're enslaved. But it also works in a positive sense. You get the Word of God. That's why the Bible says that we are to meditate on the Word of God. And we meditate on His promises. And we begin thinking, man, I am God's beloved Son, with whom He is well pleased. And I begin thinking about that. I'm amazing. I'm God's beloved Son. He is well pleased. And that develops an emotion in me. I don't know about you, I always find greater strength to do something or to attack something when I'm feeling good about myself. When I feel bad about myself, yeah, I don't know. I kind of struggle to do stuff, you know. It's like when I'm not feeling good ab- about myself and Deb's coming and says, you're going to the gym today. I say, yeah, nah, hand me the remote and get me a packet of Doritos. 
But, you know, you start, you start feeling good about yourself. Emotions turn into attitudes. I can do this. I know this is a challenge. I, I, I see the challenge uh, that, uh, that's ahead of me. But I know with God's help and with God's strength, I can uh, overcome this thing. It, uh, that turns into actions. And actions done over time develop habits that lead to freedom. Amen? So, I just want to share that with you. And, and next week, I'm going, to, I'm going to carry on speaking. We're going to speak about this aspect of, of owning ourselves. But also, how then do we walk in community we're in, in a community of powerful people. How do we, we take responsibility for ourselves, but at the same time, we love our neighbors. How we become a community of people who are calling out the best in one another. We are uh, pastoring one another, in a sense, and walking together as a powerful community. So that's what we'll be talking about next week. The boundaries in your life. Are you, are you clear in your boundaries? Have you allowed the enemy to erase your boundaries a bit? Because it's, it's always in those fuzzy areas that the enemy gets in, you know? And are there areas where maybe God's challenging you? Hey, it's time to do some work in this area because I want to prosper you in that area. I want you, I want you to be blessed in this area. You know, God never challenges us to make us feel bad about ourselves. He never. Ma- he challenges us to, uh, because he knows he has more for us, yeah. and he knows that you can do it with his help. Yeah. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.